everybody i'm bob baker with jazz guitar today and man before we get started please subscribe to the magazine if you like the content if you don't like the content subscribe anyway we need your names and we need the algorithm boost uh share uh like us on facebook like us on youtube instagram follow share tell all your friends tell your mother tell everybody about us we we really um we're we're on this uh, quest to grow the uh, grow the interest in in jazz guitar and guitar in general, actually. So, with that being said, we have a very special guest today that that uh, I don't know, actually truly unique, truly describes you. There ain't nobody wow. like there ain't nobody like Bruce Foreman, ladies and gentlemen. I give you the maestro, the man. He's not a myth. He is a legend, Bruce Foreman. <laughs> How you doing, rumor, Bruce? A rumor in my spare time. A rumor. <laughs> I've never heard that one before. I've heard a legend, and uh, I've heard a legend in my own mind, and a rumor in my spare time. I I can appreciate that. Can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you great, man. Loud, loud you? So, um, Bruce, what are you doing, man? What's going on with you? What's, what am what, I doing? Um, what, what What's it, up with What's up with you today? Today? Oh, today? Well, today actually is like the first day off in like forever. Um, I unfortunately am missing out on juries at USC because I was on the road till last night and uh, I couldn't make it back to Los Angeles in time for the juries. So uh, I'm I'm missing out on that. Uh, But it's the first day off in the longest time. I've just been, I mean, it's been the busiest year maybe of my life, you know, playing wise. It's been great. Well, for those of you who don't know, uh, Bruce is a um, phenomenal entertainer, <clears throat> along with being a master of the guitar. Great entertainer. Um, fun guy to go check out his shows. Um, so if you, if you, the beauty of, of, of what you do is not only are you mesmerizing people with your guitar playing, but you also are just fun to hang out with and listen to your stories and listen to your yarns, which is really, really great. And I'm so happy that you're that you're busy, man. I mean, I, I yeah. love that. It's been you, great. You know, I mean, obviously various things, you know, I, I think I attribute a lot of it to my, uh, you know, I'm an older guy. I'm not the most tech intuitive person as, as I started this whole thing off with. And, um, but I did make that decision on March 14th of 2020 to embrace the internet fully. You know, right. I mean, I just kind of kept it at arm's length using it for promotion for uh you know let people know where my gigs were and email and stuff but never really like embracing the community of online mm-hmm. and as soon as the pandemic happened i jumped in i did like that tv show from my house called grumps tv there's like 50 episodes of that on my youtube channel and i started that instagram thing called first course of the day where i just come out here to my shed or if i'm in a hotel room and whatever the first minute of music i make is i pick a song that's what goes out to the world. And I mostly, I had been very religious, consistent doing it until now I just do it sort of every now and again, every couple of days. But uh, I, I attribute that to like, not only keeping the community intact, but also letting more people know who I was. And it's sort yeah. of, it, it, so when, when things opened up uh, that and uh, the project with the guitar, um, those two things just sort of, you know, when things open up, people just wanted, you know, it just made me a good call for work, you know. 
So let's back up just a minute. Now, so you you mentioned that you're missing out on juries at USC. Yes. Sorry, so, guys. I feel like I'm a deadbeat dad or something. So you you are obviously teaching at USC. That's correct. Yes. Do you have a title there? I mean, is there? Uh, I think it's artist in residence or assistant professor, artist in residence, something like that. Now, yeah. are you you're are you still teaching? Were you teaching at UCLA as well at one point? No. No, I never was at UCLA. I was always USC. USC, okay. Yeah. So. That, that's Kenny Burrell. They got enough over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess one could say that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're fully loaded, you know? <laughs> yeah, it uh, kind of starts and stops with that, doesn't it? It's sort of like, yeah, yeah okay. That that sort of yeah that yeah okay I I can see where you're coming from with that yeah so um let's get back to you you mentioned the, the guitar project so for people that don't know you are the proud owner of Barney Kessel's instrument right um, right and you had it um kind of I don't want to say refurbished but you had it kind of brought to your spec you know for you well you no actually I mean I have not changed anything about it nothing. Nothing has been changed except for, of course, I changed the strings and I, uh, you know, like adjusted the actions, just stuff that we do like with setups. But I know I've kept it religiously. I'm even using the same kind of same basic kind of strings he used. You know, I'm really I wanted to keep it. Yeah, I wanted to keep it that way. I and mean, it had been that way for 40, 50 years, I figure. I, I guess I guess where I was coming from is that you 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 lowered the action if i'm not mistaken i lowered the action it was and then you know weird barney liked a lot of relief in the neck you know so it was like inconsistent action the way he played it i mean he, he was super physical and i guess he liked it that way but i i like a straighter neck you know kind of yeah. consistent action throughout the instrument so that was the basic change you know you would say fundamentally i mean you could easily put it back to the way it was when barney had it just by adjusting the truss rod well, the picture in, on your website, the thing looks to be in like brand new condition. For God's sakes! Really, God. Well, um, on the website, you, if you're if you're in the well, I mean, you know, it's uh, if you're in the room with it, it looks more like a dog that lost every fight. You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> is that it right there? Yeah, this is it. Let me let me switch to lobster cam called lobster cam because for some reason it's like super red check it okay. out so oh, yeah. red. that's um, not bad uh here let yeah, me... i can i can see it now i can see some it of the scars of around and then they had to put a plate there because it's just like smashed to smithereens <laughs> all around like here. and if my guess is what happened here is barney always brought with him this like this this guitar stand that looked like you remember those old music stands we used to have that were just like real thin metal you know those they'd blow over if you sneeze kind of thing yep, I, I remember those stands and those he had one of those stands and my guess is it was probably sitting on the stand and he or somebody else walked by and their foot got caught in the cable yeah, and, and then uh and it just pulled it over and, and it's literally like all the way you can see it. it's like it's like the top got separated you, you know i mean yeah. see that um and it's got a lot of weight at the bottom. My guess is either there's another piece of wood or cleats down here, you know, to hold it all together. Keep it together. Um, obviously, whoever did the mounting of the Charlie Christian kind of used an ice pick. Um, you know, uh, the, the state, the state, of, 
And, 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 and I think it was, a good friend of mine, Jim Cunningham, did a lot of this work. I'm not trying to say. I mean, he was like the neck here. I, can you see this? The headstock no. break? This is, not, um, this is not pretty. No, no. That looks but it, it works. So, um, and like, like I'm feeling right here, like it's really bad here. Looks good. Hey, Bruce, can't hear yeah. any of can't hear any of it. Oh man! You got to turn turn off your um, original, original sound. I yeah. know. I know. <clears throat> turn turn. I have that. to do it all over again. Or put or put headphones on. No, it's this will work now. There you go. back to the old uh put the original sound on on again or the, you know turn it off now oh yeah okay yeah, it changes the uh there you go okay otherwise you'll hear the echo man that sounds great you know nobody 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 on the planet has more fun playing the guitar than you well you know yeah i mean i enjoy it i, I mean yeah. I, I feel sorry for everybody because they should yeah it's good especially as good as they all play <laughs> yeah but i mean you just you just have a, a ton of fun to it. so tell us about um what's what's on your agenda these days are you uh you're on the road you're recording uh you had you tell me about some project we talked on the phone that you were working on what what, what was oh, that God. Uh, well you know um what happened was was when i got this guitar i was i had this idea for the poll winners you know revisiting those poll winner sessions that barney did with ray and shelly right Ray Brown and Shelly Mann, which were the first real serious documentation of the guitar trio, which, of course, we jazz guitar players just think of as like a normal ensemble. But in 1957, when they first recorded, it really like the guitar was just growing up to be the instrument that could do that. It was usually like, you know, with the vibes or with the piano or a second guitar. And of course, the electric guitar was only about 18 years old by about then. So, you know, um, they made these poll winners record, which were just amazing trio records, you know, like in the, in the mode of a piano trio. Right. And, uh, and I've always loved them. And of course, you know, Barney was really rare in his, his career because he played one guitar pretty much the whole, throughout the whole career, a couple of little moments, he played other things, you know, and of course in the studio he did, but in general, this guitar was with him, you know, it all the way through it. The you know, it's a, 40, it's a 46 uh, ES350. And um, and so I when I was visiting Barney and then visiting Phyllis, his widow, after he passed, I just had this idea. I said to her, I said, man, we, you know, like John Clayton, who was like Ray Brown's, you know, was mentored by Ray Brown, has Ray's bass. And uh, Jeff Hamilton, who I play with, was mentored by Shelley. And I know that Gary Hobbs has his drums, you know, so why don't we get the instruments back together and kind of make it like a a tribute in that sense. And and of course, like I played with Barney, I played with Shelly, I played with Ray, as did all those other guys did. You know, it's like a family thing. Sure. So it seemed like a great idea. Well, 
Phil is kind of like the idea, but she was a little worried about me taking it and changing the strings. She wanted to leave it exactly as Barney had left it when he passed, you know, right. for, for obvious reasons. And so um, it ne that project never happened. But then when I finally got the guitar um, I during the, this pandemic, about two years, it's at, just about two years ago right now, I got yeah. it. Um, uh, I called the guys and said, Hey, let's do this project. And you know, the pandemic, no one was really working too much. So we had the time to do it. And we went in and we recorded a record called reunion and it became like the reunion trio. And the concept is just basically kids getting together, playing their parents' instruments. You know, that that's the philosophy behind it. And, um, and lo and behold, uh, it became, I mean, I just thought it was just going to be a record pandemic project because we're both so, we're all so busy. And then uh, what ended up happening was uh, people started calling us for work and we kind of said, yeah, we like playing together. Let's do this thing. And so we've been playing lots of gigs. So that's a big project that's going right now. A totally unexpected one, you know, yeah. it's like a surprise baby or something. And, um, and uh I'm still doing the red guitar, which is where I uh, play and tell a story at the same time. It's like a one-man show, all right. kind of a Broadway or off-Broadway presentation. Um, I'm still doing that. I'm playing duo and trio, and you know, with some bands. A lot of I'm still getting a lot of sideman calls, and in, here in my town, I'm sort of like the human karaoke machine. You know, it's like you call your tune. You tell me the key and I give you an intro and you do your thing. And then I take a solo, make some noise, bring you back. And, and then I put an ending on it. You know what I mean? And then you put another, put another, put a little more in the machine and you get more. So, um, so I'm kind of popular with a lot of singers and horn players for duo gigs. And I love doing that. So, yeah, I, I can imagine. I, mean, I play, I'm a strong time player, you know, as you can probably tell. Yeah. Uh, I think you gave me that compliment once, actually. I think at the last Archtop Festival, you came up and said to me like that you uh, you thought I was one of the only guitar players you'd ever heard who could like just play lines and keep everything swinging together. Yeah, yeah, you do. You you have an uncanny. Your your um your time is just impeccable. I mean, it just you have and, an uncanny way to to um you know. I mean, you're if, if somebody wants to know anything about time and phrasing, they need to listen to you because. You play with it, you know. You can you you'll have one phrase that's behind it, one phrase that's in front of it, one phrase that's on top of it, but it's always there. It's always, I mean, you always kind of know where the swing is, and and that's uh, it's a, it's a, it's it's you know, it's one of the things that makes you you. You know, when you listen yeah. to your play, you know what 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 separates this player from that player, and what this thing. And yeah, you're you're, you know, it's uncanny, and all those notes come out of the guitar, you know, beautifully articulated, and all that that. As a friend of mine used to say, that shit just doesn't happen on its own, you know? Yeah. Well, actually, you know, I mean, I, I will, you know, it's the drummers, really, for me. Yeah. I mean, I've played with so many great drummers throughout my entire life. You know, I was just lucky. I was in a town that had a lot of great musicians and yeah. there was a lot of music playing. I grew up in San Francisco. And, um, and so... You know, they were pretty much sticklers for, I mean, they not only showed you how to do it, but they demanded that it be in a certain place or you just didn't hang. And and so, you know, and then, of course, I played with all the famous drummers you want to mention in the older jazz yeah. world, you know, a lot, not just, you know, once, you know. You know who else was like that was Pat Martino. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I asked his drummer one night, I was listening, you know, I was at one of his later, later, last gigs. 
I said, man, I said, how do you, how do you hold on to that? Cause, cause, yeah. cause Pat drove the band Yeah, I mean, more than, more than, you know, he, cause he played piano, I mean, organ trio a lot, but he, he drove the band. I mean, he, he used to play with a Marshall cabinet for God's sakes. I know. <laughs> so I guess, 412 Marshall cabinet. I know. <laughs> and, and, you know, you know, it was like, you know, and, and I'm watching, you know, I'm listening, I'm watching, I'm going, oh my God. I mean, I, I felt sorry for the guy because, I mean, he was definitely doing it. Don't get me wrong. He's a yeah. top, 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 top drummer. But, but there was no question in anybody's mind in that band who was, who was, who was pushing the time. With, mm -hmm. with, with single note lines. I mean, yeah, you know, it was like, whoa. And, and you're the same way. I mean, you know, you, 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 you mean, you probably manipulate time more than, than Pat did. Yeah, I don't have, I mean, he's, Pat was like a unbelievable, almost like, I mean, and yeah. I don't mean this in a bad way. He was like a machine. Yeah. You know, yeah. he was just boom, metric and, and yeah. pretty much always phrased the same way. Yep. I, yeah, I like varied articulation a yeah, lot more. You, 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 yeah, you, 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 you play with it more. Yeah. Just, just as precise, but you do it with intention. And uh, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, that's, but they, you know, the people who I'm, most influenced by it on the line side are people like, you know, Charlie Parker and yeah. Cannonball Adderley and Fats Navarro and, you know, Lee Morgan, you know, I mean, those Freddie Hubbard, those people who kind of play that way. So that's my concept for playing melody comes from those, that approach, you know, and just like my kind of concept for playing harmony comes more from piano players. Cause really most of my work in my life has been, subbing you know replacing piano players in groups you know i mean horn players would hire me you know because i could take care of the chord thing and then you know and take a solo you know and so a lot of this kind of interactive with the with the harmony and the melody and the inner voice leading and all that stuff and it's because i like to comp and i like to be in the rhythm section a lot of that stuff you talk about time is the fact that i really like to be in the rhythm section comping for yeah. somebody I'm going to ask you a question because we're, we're going to kind of keep Believe it or not, we've been talking almost a half an hour. Jesus. Yeah, I know. Fun flies. Except for my, except for my choking. So I'm going to ask you a question because you, you've had a, um, not that it's over by any stretch of imagination because you're just, you know, you're, you're flying high and cruising with, you know, got the power, throttles up, going. What is the one thing, if you were to, that, is there is there any point in your career or something that you did or somebody you played with that just sort of like stands out for you? Is there is that that one moment where you, uh, wow, here I am? Or is there any is there anything or this studio or that stage or this this guy or? Yeah, well, there are a lot of them, but then I'm just going to go for the one you. Since you asked that question, I'm going to go for the first one that came to mind. Okay, oh, that's the that's the one I'm I was in Italy playing with Jack McDuff and Jimmy Cobb. Oh wow! And um, and at the end of the gig, I I guess I was hanging out over at the bar, you know, talking to somebody. And Jimmy Cobb came up to me and said, uh, "He said I carried your amp to the car for you. I just want to thank you for holding this gig together." All right, and Jimmy Cobb. You know, like kind of saying like giving me something to play with, like. Because Macduff kind of at that point in his career, the time was a bit um, moving, can we say? You know, and organ trios in general, there there's a fl more floaty version of time than you know, like a bass player and a you know a drummer gets. 
you know what I mean? Because the organ player is doing so much, and just the sound of the organ gets kind of flabby at times. Oh yeah. And well, then was... up at that point in his career, he was kind of moving around, and Jimmy just like thanked me for like he giving him something like straight that he could like hang with, you know, and swing with, you know, and like when Jimmy Cobb says that to you, it's like, holy shit, you know, it was like, whoa, you know, <laughs> I got yeah. I got lucky enough to um, hear him play just before he passed. Mm -hmm. um, he he came down to the Velvet Note and uh, and played a gig, and I can't remember who he, he was. He was on the gig with somebody, like so he was somebody's uncle or I mean I can't remember why it would why he showed up, but I'll be dipped in you know what you know, and the Velvet Note's a forty seat club, you know, and there's. Jimmy freaking Cobb sitting at the, yeah. you know, and, you know, and he sounded phenomenal. I mean, just, it was like, oh, that's how it's done. You know, yeah. one of those kind of things, you know, because you hear a lot of people can play, but, and you listen to, and you're watching what he's doing and man, he just, it's just, it was like, I guess it was like watching Picasso paint or something. I I don't really even know. Well, but. you know, and I've had lots of those experiences. And, and mostly when I think back to it, it's almost always drummers that, that I think of. But um, what you're saying is so true, Bob. You know, you go, whoa. You know, all I can say is you can you can magnify that if you're playing with it. That feeling you had sitting in the club, I can only yeah. tell you it's like it's it's exponentially deeper when you're playing with it and you're on yeah. the bandstand, you know, I, no, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I played with Elvin. I played with Art Blakey. I played with Philly Joe Jones, you know, and, and, and Shelly man, you know, I've played yeah. with and numerous times, you know and I mean? Yeah. And it's like, and a lot of other guys who, who are, who are really gr equally great, you know, who you don't know about too. Yeah. And that really, to me, informs every note I play, you know, it does. It's just like, just like having this guitar, yeah. It's every day. I mean, imagine I'm sitting here playing with the guitar that played the introduction to, you know, to Cry Me a River with Julie London, you know? <laughs> turn off you your. Yeah. Oh, I have to turn the thing off now. Just yeah, turn the thing off so we can hear it. I mean, it's like, and this guitar played with, with, um, oh, sorry. There, this guitar played with, uh, Billy Holiday, Lester Young, you know, I mean, and, yeah. and I, I was on the road with him when, when, uh, I think it was Qantas broke the headstock off, you know, we were in Australia. So, um, just, you know, there's a thing about being part of a legacy, you know, you know, and I'm mean, just like humbly, I'm not saying that I am, you know, I'm no, not, putting, I, I get it. Saying, I'm in a family and, and like, I actually have artifacts and experiences of these humans and it lives inside of me and it's what informs how I want to be and informs how I want to get better. You know, I've never, ever ever in the times that i've talked with you been around you even observed you like on video and stuff like that have ever seen one drop of what i'm going to call ego come out of you wow you've always been like incredibly um 
uh, gracious and grateful and and uh, and appreciative of all the gifts that you have and your ability to do things and just digging it. No, I mean you're 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 you know there's a lot of guys that aren't aren't like you. <laughs> I, I know, and I, and I think it's sad. You know, I mean, yeah. and and that's kind of a personal pet peeve. I mean, I don't know if you've experienced cow bop. Uh, my, yeah, I have. I have. Yeah. In my Western swing uh, bebop comedy band. Um, yeah. You know, I grew up, and granted, my first experiences were playing. Well, Richie Cole was a big one. Uh, I played with Dizzy. I played with Ray, uh, Bobby Hutcherson, Ray Brown, and Freddie Hubbard. All of them. They were my earliest, you know, band, you know, big stature band experiences. Right. And every one of those guys was having fun. Yeah. Every one of those guys, they were funny and they were having fun and they didn't take themselves seriously. I mean, they could present themselves, you know, I mean, yeah. but it was, it was all like, I mean, let's face it. The music humbles you. Anybody who tries to do this, I mean, you can't really walk around thinking you're like, great. <laughs> the instrument what? every day just spanks, the music spanks you in the face. You know what I mean? Bam. You know what do you think you can do this? No, you can't. I'm, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna tell you something. Then um, I'm, I'm being, I'm reluctant to say this because, but you know, I interview a lot of people and I'm around a lot of people and, and people, you know, I get calls from people that want to, you know, be uh, interviewed and be, be on, be in a magazine, and all that kind of stuff. Thank God, and we're, we're really grateful for what's happened with this thing in about five years now. The bigger the artist, the nicer the person. And and all of the guys that are like at the top of the of the heap are the nicest, humblest, most wonderful freaking people you ever want to talk to. And the only time I ever run into and, and it's not like the, the 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 only time I ever run into guys that I just say, God, what a dick. You know, are guys that are they're they're so wannabe. It's it's not like that they're on the scene, it's just they're so wannabe. So what I what I find is that you know, the guys that really are there been there done it get it all that kind of stuff they're just just like you say you know they're just humble guys and they appreciate everything they're having fun doing it they appreciate each other and uh and and you exemplify that you know well you know i mean and just you know to articulate deeper into that you know there's two elements one is like is is like these guys like freddie and bobby and and barney who yeah. I played with a lot, uh, you know. Yes, the music kicks you in the ass, and they are they're on the they're on the search to make the best music possible. You sure. know, with I'm in left in life. You know, right. we're all kind of doing that, but they were super competitive. I mean, they would love to just tear you to shreds on the bandstand. You know, I mean, it, there was still that element. Oh, a lot yeah. of you know where it was like oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah and you'd walk off the stage bloody you know but i mean <laughs> but it was like not done to make belittle somebody you know it was, no, it was the spirit of competition in the spirit of competition and in yeah. and in really because when you're trying to kick somebody's ass you're pushing your own self to be yeah better. and you want those guys to be great because you want them to you know it's, yeah. it's no fun to go out and play a tennis match against somebody's grandmother that's never played before Right, right. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, there's, that's no fun. Yeah, you're gonna win. Yeah, you're gonna win, but that's no fun. You want someone that's gonna hit the ball so that when you hit a great shot, they appreciate it. They know, oh man, wow, great shot. Right, and it may even come back in your face. Yeah, you know? yeah, of course. You know, and 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 you go, wow, I got away with that one. 
I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what you want. You want you want those guys. Those are your peers. Those are your colleagues. Those are the people that you know that you want in your life and, and and around with you. So it's great. And and someone once said to me, and I think they were quoting a famous, another famous musician. Yeah. Uh, but um, it always stuck with me. You know, I mean, in terms of like, I like to have fun when I'm playing, and I've I've always admired the guys. You know, like Dizzy. No one ever played any better than Dizzy, but he was having fun when he was playing. So I, to me, this you know, sort of like, and Louis Armstrong sure looked like he was having fun and no one ever sounded better than that to me. 